Okay. We're here. Welcome, Bugs and Stuff listeners. <laughs> this is Bugs and Stuff Book Club. Ding, 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 Bugs and Stuff. So this time we read The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> this was the first time I actually listened to an audiobook and enjoyed it the whole time. That's pretty impressive. It is. Sometimes Before audiobooks the- can be hard. Yeah. I think it was helpful because Cy Montgomery is the one that reads it to you. Oh. And she's... I think so. Now I'm second guessing myself. Sometimes the author will read their own book, though. But sometimes they're read by a different person. Yes. Okay. I was right. Um, It's read by Sag Montgomery, and she's very excited and very expressionative. Expressive? Expressive. (laughs) While she's reading. Um, Which is great. And I understand how she could be because she wrote this book and it's really kind of emotional for octopuses. So of course she felt all of that and portrayed all of that while she was reading mm-hmm. it. Um, you want to tell them what it's about? So it is, so Simon Montgomery is a nonfiction author. She has, and it's told from her point of view and she decide. I don't know if she decides or if this is just like, um, an assignment but she um decides to write about octopuses and she basically goes to it's the boston aquarium and it follows her throughout the time through in the boston aquarium shadowing people who are taking care of the octopuses but also the other animals at the aquarium um and what i thought was interesting is it is almost just as much about the other people as it is about the octopuses that are at the aquarium and I really enjoyed that because I almost they kind of blended together it was like the octopus was a person almost (laughs) yeah like yeah (laughs) like the I agree the octopuses were were people were just other characters that were in this book and um she was getting to know them just as much as she was getting to know the other people at the aquarium yeah absolutely like there are chapters where She'll talk about the octopus's personality and while she's looking at it with this other caretaker and then she dives into the story about the caretaker and it just, it melds together so nicely. Mm -hmm. And I think that really adds to the emotion and um, uh, like personification is maybe the word I want of the octopus. Or anthropomorphizing of the octopus. Mm-hmm. I'm apparently not good with words today. <laughs> no, but I think that's right. Yeah, you you almost see the octopus as another person. Mm-hmm. And the it, so it kind of makes it less weird when she talks about how the octopus is feeling and how it's doing this behavior so it means this and like how she's enjoying their company which is not something you typically think with an invertebrate. And I think it would have been a lot weirder if she hadn't had this nice mesh between getting to know the people at the aquarium just as much mm-hmm. as the octopus. Yeah. And I thought the bit 
I thought it was very interesting about, because she does talk about anthropomorphizing animals, um, mm-hmm. especially study animals and how people and scientists are so careful not to do that. Um, but I thought it was interesting that she gave a lot of examples about how we have lost important information about animals because we have been too afraid to anthropomorphize them. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. And also because she is a science writer. Mm-hmm. And she's coming at it from a different angle than the scientists. I think that also helps with making that um, claim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like It reminds me of when I worked with turtles. I named all of the turtles and certain people got really mad at me for doing that because it it makes you like care about them and you're not supposed to care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we get people to care about our research and our animals and our science by telling them these funny things like, oh, the octopus doesn't like that person, so she shoots them with water every time they come by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I thought it was all super interesting, particularly that bit. How like they explained yeah. she explained like their personalities, um, and she gave some other examples of like other animals and other cases where it has happened. And then it was also it's always very interesting to me when they when you think about like how alien, how like to a certain extent animals are very similar to us, but how in another way like they could be they're really difficult for us to understand um one part Mm -hmm. that i thought was particularly interesting was when they were talking about the octopus's um like brain and how it had like in its arms it has like a different neurological structure so each arm has like a different type of neuron like neurological structure that makes them more autonomous i guess Mm-hmm. Um, and I just yeah. thought it was really interesting because it's hard for us to wrap our head around like what if there were many of us all stuck to one body <laughs> <laughs> we're all stuck together by our feet <laughs> yeah and it was and it's very difficult for a human to imagine like how what it would be like to have like oh my arm has like a mind of its own it's like doing its own thing like literally yeah, like it, it's doing its own thing and it's like good at these things but it's bad at these things so my other arm <laughs> yeah, right like my left arm can draw but my right arm can throw a baseball mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and so there's all these aspects of things like people she also gave the example that stuck out to me of like the psychic who is reading the elephant's minds and I'm putting air quotes up and <laughs> how they how the psychic said that the elephant wanted to put its head in her lap and that in for elephants they do that but that's when they're trying to like ram you into like ram another <laughs> creature into the ground to like hurt them. Right. And so it was just interesting there were a lot of examples of how um humans might even though we might understand what an organism is saying we don't actually understand it that well and right. it's almost too hard for us to comprehend because we're so like stuck in our own way of being right unless you spend a huge amount of time with them mm-hmm. like 
I spend every day with my dog and I can tell you exactly when he wants a treat or when he wants to bark at the neighbors or whatever. And like even his barks sound different depending on who's coming up to the door. Um, And while I can't say like, oh, he's excited or oh, he's sad, like for sure, Mm -hmm. I can kind of get a feeling of what he is doing. Yeah. Very different from like my tortoise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's very different reading that kind of animal, but the octopus is really expressive Mm -hmm. and it wants to reach out and touch you and it's changing colors and all of this stuff. Um, I thought it was really interesting how she just kind of said, oh, a red octopus is a happy octopus and just like went with that because that wouldn't have stuck in my brain intuitively because red is like angry color Mm -hmm. right for us yeah but in the book they are always describing red as like when they're super excited yeah like ooh, i got some food or like oh i want to see you like this is right and it was very interesting to see or to learn about like their different how they react Mm -hmm. how they interact and i think because they're such an intelligent species it's like very fun for us to interact with them yeah and i bet i mean because they're so intelligent it's probably fun for them too Mm -hmm. yeah it's not like it from the book for most of them i mean they did talk about like octavia was a wild caught octopus like an older one they're all wild caught but she was like much older and so she didn't interact as much with the other people yeah yeah it's devastating <laughs> you really you really throughout the book she goes through like what four different octopuses yeah because they only live like three to four years right yeah uh yeah i think so or is it two maybe it's even less than that i think it just depends they, they basically like they they live really short lives they like reproduce and then they die right um but you get I mean, I I almost can feel how attached she was to those octopuses. And it's so sad when they finally die. And, and maybe it was because I was listening to her talk about it. But it just, it felt so real. Like, I knew those octopuses and I was so sad that they died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was so sad. Yeah. It was really sad. And it was very, like... I feel like Octavia in particular went through areas where I was like, uh oh, this is the end for her. <laughs> like there was this one part where she like look where the author is describing her and she looks like she's on death's doorstep and then she said she like reaches into her gill and takes out this like goo or whatever and yeah. then like, perks back up again. <laughs> yeah. Weird. It, that was weird because they like had to watch Octavia, whereas the other ones, she didn't really just, like, she didn't really watch them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think Octavia was the only one that went through the the eggs and everything, right? Yeah, Octavia had the eggs. So, so sad. Yeah. Um, But really cool. Mm -hmm. I liked reading about her interactions with people, like, when she was standing there and looking at the octopus from like the visitor's side Mm -hmm. and people would come up and then she would talk about the octopus with them and it was it was really cool Mm -hmm. um for me because that's stuff i'm interested in (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
I liked her whole discussion when she learned how to dive. That was oh my god, interesting. And how she like got to then see like wild octopuses. Yeah. Um, the the diving lessons were kind of hard for me to listen to. Yeah, I thought about you because her ears hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I thought about you a lot. I was like, oh, Carrie would never be able to learn how to dive. No, I can't. I mean, I I'm even learning still now, even though we're so long out from my ear issues, even though they're still here. Um, I can't even swim four feet underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was on vacation in June and I swam down to the bottom of the, the four foot pool, it hurt. So I could never dive and it's devastating, honestly. <laughs> I have never been somebody who wants to learn how to dive. Uh, I would, I would do anything for the opportunity to dive with with sharks or coral reefs anything you I mean you know how much that I love the ocean yeah so it's it's just so sad to know that I'll never be able to do that um mm-hmm. although I can snorkel and it's fine <laughs> but even then like your ear hurts like just diving four feet like you can't get in some places yeah. like you can dive down um, while you're snorkeling. Um, yep. If the uh, corals forever. are like deeper than. Yeah. I'll only be able to look from the top. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- this is devastating. I don't even know if that means I can't like shark cage dive. Ugh, I just want to see sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. It's so sad. Yeah. But I I felt for her a lot when she was talking about her ear issues and all of that stuff I even in some of the when she was learning to dive I even like replayed some of it (laughs) because I hate myself I guess (laughs) I just want to dive so bad sorry Carrie no I feel bad for saying that I never want to dive I don't know I just I'm not a very good swimmer so I and I have like this really bad problem with like sucking in water (laughs) so I just the idea of like you have to when you train to dive you have to like spit out your like your breathing apparatus and like try somebody else's like she was explaining and I think I would also like freak out a little bit in the dark because a lot of times you have to do your training in lakes especially in the northeast the dark honestly so when um, Rob and I were in Hawaii for my research, mm-hmm. we went night snorkeling with the manta rays. I've been Honestly, night snorkeling still. too. <laughs> it was terrifying. Still so cool. But like before the manta rays showed up and we were all just like sitting there on the top of the water in the dark, I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get eaten. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way in Australia. I went snorkeling in the dark. And I literally don't remember very much of it because the only part I remember is like trying to remember to like keep breathing. I was breathing like so fast. (laughs) I was like trying to keep like breathing normally. And the only thing I remember is there were these, um, they kind of look like parrotfish, but they have like a unicorn horn. That's the only thing I remember. Apparently there was a turtle out there (laughs) that everybody could see. I think they're Napoleon fish. Maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah, there was like a turtle and I didn't see the turtle. It was like right in front of us. 
Oh, they're also called humphead wrasse. Mm. Yeah. There's a turtle. There was a turtle, mm. and I missed it because I was, like, freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't think, like, even though you – I just don't think I would be able to – it would scare me a lot to go in, like, a dirt – like, a dimly lit lake. <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly, I think the lake would be scarier than the ocean. Yeah, because you can't see very well in a lake at all. Yeah, it's just everything is so murky, murky. And I will, I guess I would probably be okay if it was Lake Erie because I've been in that lake a million times. I would be less okay if it Although, was Lake Erie because it's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> They're doing better. <laughs> I mean, like, when was the last like, large rainfall event? <laughs> Actually, forever ago, yeah. it hasn't rained here in forever. Actually, alarming. Um, but Lake Superior, no way. Really? Uh, there's definitely a monster in that lake. See, I li- <laughs> so- Lake Superior is probably like the clearest lake I've seen. <laughs> like it's super clear. <laughs> but at night, <laughs> I guess. But like, you don't necessarily take your test at night. True. <laughs> I guess if we're just talking about like dimly lit, uh, poor visibility lakes, mm-hmm. then that changes everything. I thought we were still talking about night. No, no, I don't think you have to take a to getting like part of your test at night. I think it's just like, oh well, that's silly. Yeah, if you're going at night, I don't know. And she did. She did go at night, and she had ear problems when she went at night too. It was just a devastating read for that. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I loved it. I love octopuses. I think they're fascinating. I'd love to learn about them. Um, I also watched recently a documentary called My Octopus Teacher. Mm. And the guy who narrates it is equally as obsessed with this octopus. Mm -hmm. Um, And... He he like goes out there every day to see this octopus in the in the wild. Like he swims out there with his little snorkel. Um, and he like he does kind of the same thing as she does, where he's like learning the behaviors and the personality of the octopus and all of this stuff. Um, so there are a lot of parallels there. Mm-hmm. So maybe the octopus is just a really easy animal to get obsessed with. Maybe I think it's because they're so intelligent, but then they're so alien. So it's weird. True. For us. But yeah, we are, like, very interested sense. in intelligent creatures. True. Like, dogs. We're interested in, like, all all of the great apes. I don't think we're interested enough in the the corvid birds, like the ravens and the crows. Oh, yeah. Those guys are intelligent as heck. Yeah, they are. So smart. Mm-hmm. But I think it does... Oh, another interesting part, speaking of, like, intelligence, I thought it... I always think it's really fun to learn about how and why things are that intelligent and they went through the whole like theory behind like octopus octopuses aren't group creatures they don't live in groups Mm -hmm. they're not social and usually we think oh being social is the reason that you are so smart but in reality it's like for the octopus it was like they had to be they lost their shell first of all. So Mm -hmm. they had to like be able to get away from predators and find food. They could then like move around more so they could like find food easier. And they had like a lot of different prey sources. So they had to be kind of 
um, smart about like being able to figure out how to get different types of prey. And it was just super interesting to me to learn about that. Yeah. And also they're squishy and everything wants to eat them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they have to be smart to get away from things and to hide from things. They have like so many ways to get away. They could like shoot themselves away. They have the ink. They also Mm -hmm. have the like camouflage. And to like turn into something else, you have to be super smart to do that. Like to make yourself look like a rock. That's like the level of self-awareness that a lot of things I don't think have and they not only have to be able to look like the rock but they have to look at the same color as the rock or whatever and that's interesting because they don't see as many colors as we Mm do yeah based on their rods and their cones I don't know maybe they have a different way of telling colors like uv light or something maybe they're Uh, like the mantis shrimp (laughs) Well, that's what I was thinking with the UV light, because those, but those guys have like a butt ton. Yeah, of they do have a lot of receptors in their eyes. Cones or rods, cones. Mm-hmm. Yes, cones are the colors. It did make so me think of lot. this other thing. So the last night we were watching the zoo, right? Is that what it is? Oh my god! Is that the Bronx Zoo? And the, yeah. yeah. So we were watching the zoo, and there was a researcher there, and she was testing out how lions and snow leopards figure out this box puzzle. And it turns out the snow leopard was better at the box puzzle because they have to be more like they have to crafty. Yeah. Crafty when it comes to getting food compared to a lion, which they work together to get food. And her hypothesis Mm -hmm. was, oh, the lions will be better at this because they're social. But it was actually the snow leopard. And it's just so interesting. Who is solitary. Yeah. So like, I feel like our whole idea of like why things are intelligent is just like off. Yeah. It makes me wonder how many other solitary things are also, like, super smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we just haven't considered because... Yeah, we just kind of assume busy. that, like, social creatures are more... are smarter. But I also wonder if it's because we just tend to study social creatures more. True. They're more charismatic. They're more like us, so okay. we're more, like, interested in them, maybe. Yeah. I might argue that the snow leopard is pretty charismatic. Yeah. They're pretty, pretty... They're floofy and they got those cool spots. Right. And the babies are freaking adorable. Mm -hmm. I want to know about shark intelligence. Who will let me do that? I'm sure somebody's (laughs) been doing a lot of some research on shark intelligence. Um, Who knows? I I guess that was a whole other part of this book that they went into about the anacondas. Oh, yeah. One of the researchers, she trained the anacondas Mm -hmm. so that they, like, didn't have to catch them. They could just, like, train them to go into areas to be, like, vet checked and things. Right. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, if you you watch the zoo show on Animal Planet, um, they show you a lot about how they train their animals for vet checking purposes. Or I think maybe that's the aquarium that does that. One of those shows do. I think they do them at both because I remember the aquarium one was training their manta rays to go into a a thing. Oh, yes. No, they're whale sharks. Oh, they're whale sharks. Oh, yeah. Because that one's at the Oh, no, but they also did it with their manta rays. Oh, did they? Mm -hmm. I didn't see that one. It must be like a similar. I think they're all in like the same tank because it's one of the biggest tanks. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I've seen it. It's very cool. Um, but anyways, 
Uh, a lot of the times when they show which animals they're training, it's like the otters or the seals or something like really charismatic. And I think it's because typically they didn't train like reptiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they talked about in this book. Oh, did they? Yeah, they talked because they were talking about the snake, and for the longest time, they never trained reptiles. Right. Do Do you know? Do they train other reptiles or just the anacondas now? I don't know. They mostly just went into it. The, well, they talked about how they trained the tor- the turtle. Oh yeah, and then the, they started training some of the fish. Yeah, anything can learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess is the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It had been a minute since I listened to this book, so I'm sorry. (laughs) But I really loved it, and I'll probably buy it for real instead of just listening to it from my my, um, library Mm -hmm. app. Because honestly, like, I really loved it. Everything about it was fascinating and happy and a really nice distraction Mm -hmm. from, from the COVID world. Yeah. I'm thinking we should try to read. She's written a lot of other books, so I'm thinking we should try to read something else from her. Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed it. I really it. liked her writing. Yes. She. So my then, library app has How to Be a Good Creature and <laughs> I like that title. Temple Grandin, mm. which seems like it's about. So. Oh, that's disappointing. I thought it was going to be like a temple of monkeys. She looks like it, it looks like they're on a ranch. Oh, that's, yeah, not what I was thinking at all. (laughs) I'm thinking about the, like, monkeys and the orangutan from the Jungle Book that live in that temple. Mm -hmm. Kind of area, the, like, ruins area. (laughs) Dang it. But, yes, I agree. We should definitely do that. Um, I really, I really love this book. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, anything else you got to say about it? No, it was a good book. If you're looking for something that is, yeah, like Carrie said, something that's kind of upbeat for the most part and interesting mm-hmm. and kind of shows really good human relationships alongside animal relationships, I think this is a yeah. great. Uh, how many bugs out of 10 bugs do you give it? it? Nine out of 10 bugs. Wow. wow how wow. many do you give it? I'm going to give it. Also, nine bugs out of ten bugs. I was going to say ten bugs out of ten bugs, but I felt like I've been doing that for most of them. So. <laughs> well, your like, motto for that. life is ten out of ten would recommend. So. I know. I just like a lot of things. <laughs> um, yeah, so we would recommend it regardless. <laughs> Definitely look it up and read it. Uh, and we found out about this uh, book because of Alan Alda's podcast, Clear and Vivid. So you can hear her talk about the book with Alan Alda on that um, if you're interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what are we reading next time? Um, We are reading, I always forget the name, Carrie. I'm sorry. Fatal Invention. There we go. <laughs> invention? Fatal okay. Invention. What's it by? And it is by... Dorothy Roberts. She did a TED Talk. Oh, cool. We'll have to watch that, too. Mm-hmm. She, um, we are trying to read more books with people of color. More diverse, diverse authors. Diverse authors. Not just um, people of color, so but all. If anybody has any suggestions for books written by um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, LGBTQIA plus authors... Let us know. We would love to read them. 
um, this is the first one in that group. I mean, if you have noticed, I think all but one of our books so far has been written by women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we were kind of intentional in picking those books besides the one by Alan Alda because I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, so give us your recommendations. The next Bugs and Stuff book club <laughs> will be August 11th and we're reading Fatal Invention by Dorothy Roberts. Name again? Dorothy watch Roberts. her TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, watch her TED Talk. Get a little uh, uh, sneak peek into probably what her book's about. Mm-hmm. I assume she's talking about something yeah. similar. I How science, I politics, and big business recreate race in the 21st century. Ah, interesting. I'm excited to read this and talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is I've seen currently a lot of- out of stock in many places. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I know, I've, still, I've seen a lot of like science people that I follow on social media um, talking about this book because it it's something that has to do with the medical world. Mm-hmm. So people have been really talking about it in relation to all the COVID stuff. Yeah. Um, so maybe people are just selling so it really fast. You can get it on yeah. Kindle though on Amazon. Or check out your local library or local bookstore. Right. Those are also good places. Yeah. It's on both Although, of my library. I've had a really so. hard time finding this book. So, <laughs> um, I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. When this episode comes out, Caitlin and I will be physically in the same place together safely. Um, so look for cute pictures of us together on social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all I got. All right. As always, we love you. <laughs> we'll see you. Goodbye.